Welcome back to the Black Letter Podcast. We set out to create an entertaining and exciting podcast about law and business, and I think we've done it. Black Letter, the name, comes from the Gothic typeset that was originally used in the Gutenberg Press. Over time, Black Letter became the only font that English law books were printed in. Everything else was printed in regular type. It made it harder for kind of the common person to understand what the English law books said. Black Letter came to represent something that was law, that was set in stone, that was sort of old and a well-settled fundamental principle of law. We're here to demystify Black Letter law. We're here to demystify things that happen in business and law and where those two meet. And I hope you have fun listening. Hi, welcome. I'm Tom Dunlap. Uh, I'm here for the Black Letter podcast. At Sundance TV, I'm an attorney with Dunlap, Bennett, and Ludwig, and I'm at Sundance TV Studios with Ryan Swartz, which, Swartz, 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 you got it, yeah. I got it. Hi, everyone. Yeah, and how do your in-laws, your, your Portuguese in-laws say it? They, they really struggle with my first and last name. Uh, the R is tough in Portuguese, so they go, uh, Ryan, Ryan, and the Swartz is usually Swartz. So not Ryan Swartz. Right. Okay. Well, I've got it. So Ryan is the media marketing and brand chief specialist manager there at LegalZoom. Um, and maybe elevating him a little bit sometimes. Unofficial title. Yeah. He's so good at what he does. I was fortunate enough yesterday to participate in a live studio audience television panel here at Sundance TV headquarters with Ryan about uh, film and independent film and how you go from an idea uh, the kind of up in the air creative part of film to the nuts and bolts of actually making the film, producing the film and selling the film. And we had some fantastic panelists. We had, uh, Hannah Pearl Utt, who is an actress and her film, what's her film's name? Her film is before you know it. That's right. Before you know it, Mandy Potemkin, Alec Baldwin, uh, Judith Light. And I think Hannah's the star. Uh, so she went from acting to directing, producing, uh, this film, and I think it's her second in the festival here. And we also had uh, Peter, and Peter's last name, I don't want to mangle it, so I'll let you say it. That way it's not me in trouble. I think it's Serif. It could also be Serif, I suppose, but uh, yeah. We'll go with Serif yeah. now. So Peter, Serif, and Peter uh, has been here for, been making films for 25 years. He, in fact, made Little Miss Sunshine, which was one of Sundance's, you know, um, I guess, grand doms of movie. It's it sold for more than any other movie at Sundance, I think, uh, on record. We'll have to use Google, the infallible Google, to confirm that. But Sounds I, right to me. I've heard that. So, uh, But this festival, he came here with a movie called The Farewell. The Farewell. And it was about a Chinese woman and her dealing with her ailing grandmother's death in China. And he made the movie in China with a Chinese co-production uh, with the woman herself, who the story was about, and we'll get into that in a little bit. Then our third panelist um, was uh, a, a lady named Jacqueline Olive. And Jacqueline's movie was uh, really um, a documentary uh, called Always in Season. And it's about the lynchings that happen even now in the South. And it was really quite a, an interesting and compelling and moving uh, talk she gave. So yesterday we talked to all of them, but we didn't talk as much about their creative ideas, which other panels focus on. Our panel at Sundance HQ yesterday was, how do you make a movie? How do you do this stuff? What do you need? Do you need an LLC? Do you need contracts? Do you need releases? How do you 
find a site location, get a producer, deal with credits for uh, who acted in the movie. When actors fight over script credits, how do you deal with that? And so it was interesting. Uh, so from copyright to contract to sale, um, we asked these some veteran and some on their first movie, like Jacqueline, um, what road bumps they ran into and how they dealt with the road bumps. And then as a lawyer, I participated in the panel and our moderator, Andy, and we talked through with the audience how to avoid those road bumps and how to be a filmmaker. And so, so Ryan, I think the, the really interesting thing we got from yesterday is we had Hannah, who was an actress, making her first film, uh, her second film. And then we had uh, Jacqueline, who was a news sports, a news sportscaster, weathercaster. She had been on broadcast television. And this movie, uh, Always in Season, is her first film, and it took her 10 years to make it, and she didn't have a producer until the last six months of making it. Uh, and then we had Peter, who's been making movies for 25 years, has a big production company, really well-known in the industry, so three different points of view. Um, what, what are your thoughts on kind of how they approached they, – they all are creative people, but it seems like we have two very kind of new and moving from creative into the production side, and then somebody who's always been in the production side and is a pro. Yeah. Did you see any kind of dichotomy or difference between these these people? Yeah, I think just generally in the way people talked about their their projects, you know, when when Peter was speaking about his most recent movie, you know, he's been doing this for 20 25 years like you said. Yeah. Uh when you asked him specifically about legal struggles or, you know, difficulties with agreements, you know, in particular with uh dealing with production companies in China and local crews in China. He seemed to just kind of brush it off a little bit. Oh, you know, it was it was fine. It got oh, done. I it, shot a movie in China under Chinese authoritarian rule. Yeah. And my law firm has an office in China. It ain't easy to do business there. And uh, we used a Chinese film crew, and they spoke only Chinese. And uh, yeah, I don't, I don't speak any Chinese. And we made the movie with the uh, the writer and actress. And so we had to get her under contract. And then we went and found a Chinese film production company. We got the Chinese government's special seal of dragon is what it's called dragon seal of approval so now we can release in chinese theaters which is really hard to do because the chinese government only gives out so many film credits and he kind of was like but it was easy yeah. no problem we had contracts we did it and i think yeah so that's that's the dichotomy he said point blank and i've had the best lawyer for 25 years yeah i mean right and yeah, he said, that. Down to he said that, but there's, there's absolutely no way it could have gone as smoothly as he was right. leading everyone on to believe. But, you know, he's very experienced. He's been around the block. He's, you know, produced tons of movies. So, uh, you know, he obviously has a lot of people in the right places that he trusts and they're dealing with all the dirty little details, I'm sure. And the devil lies in the details. Um, I'm not saying he is completely detached from those, but you can tell that, uh, a team of people that he trusts very highly are taking care of all that. And what probably was a very complicated production, yeah. I would imagine. You know, contrast that. So Hannah Ut said she had a, a lawyer she really liked and had worked with on this film. And she did it, he kind of did it on the come. So he gets some back end, I guess, when it's done. But she, so whereas Peter said, my lawyer dealt with it, super complicated. Hannah's shooting a film in New York, relatively, comparatively, probably easier. There are film crews there. It's after Los Angeles in the United States, probably the one of the easier places to make a film in terms of available resources. She had some legal struggles and her contrasting experiences, well, and my lawyer fought for things that I didn't necessarily want. And I found out later and told him we didn't don't need to fight over that. And it involves screen credits. Right. And so I think that's kind of 
I've been working with my lawyer for a year and uh, Peter has been working with his lawyer for 25 years. And it's just dramatically different approach to a, how they ended up producing their movie and kind of where they are in the process of being producers. Yeah. Her insights, you know, she seemed a little bit more, I guess unsure might not be right. the right word, but you know, she just isn't quite as experienced. Um, I'm, I'm sure she's very detailed, very organized and, and a great filmmaker in her right, but she just hasn't gone through the process as much as someone like Peter has. So you could sense some, some uncertainties and maybe not knowing where to push back, where she can tell her lawyer, you know, let that one go. Right. And she also brought up a couple other things uh, to do with uh, credits and some of the actors that she was dealing with where big names. She was really lucky to get some really big names involved. in. My this name project. is Ineo Montoya. <laughs> you killed my father. That's right. That's Prepare a, to die. That's what, what are the rules? Politely introduce yourself. My name is Ineo Montoya. Tell them why you're there. You killed my father. And then tell them what your plan is. Prepare to die. That's right. You're, you're really no, no – Love guess, Mandy Potemkin. No guesswork involved yeah, when, nothing when you state everything up front like that. She probably had some negotiating struggles, I would imagine, with those actors. and, and Yeah, Alec Baldwin and Judith. I mean, they're great. She talked about, I think, the creative process and the way she got them together. But then I think what happened with the screen credit so, – so everybody knows who's listening to this podcast. The screen credit is the credits at the end of the movie, sometimes at the front of the movie. Sometimes at the end, if you've all seen the Holy Grail, and I don't know if you remember this, where they put the credits at the beginning, and then they said they sacked everyone for putting it, but credits can go all different kinds of places. But at the end of the day, it's whose name goes up on the screen, and this is funny, and you may not know this is even a thing, but does your name go up on the screen by itself, or does your name go up on the screen with a bunch of other people, or two other people, or a whole list of people? And the fewer people on the screen with you when your name is displayed and where it's displayed in the order, so do you get your own screen card or do you share a screen card or in you in the cast, is a huge deal to some people, actors, and sometimes producers and directors. And generally, producers and directors get their own screen cards. And that was one of the, the controversies she had. And her approach at the time, and I think this speaks of kind of where people are in the creative process, but she had kind of kicked the can down the road on that one. That was her, her phrase. And thought process-wise, as a lawyer, throw this out there, but free advice for the day. If you don't have to kick the can down the road, if you can get somebody in writing to say, oh, I agree that I'll be on a screen card with another actor, another lead. I'm a lead, but I have a co-lead. We can put two of us on the same card or, or it's not important to me. I'm going to give you the right to decide how that works to best make the movie and get the movie made and sold and done. Because that's actually an important piece of the movie making process. You need to do that. This kind of is a nice segue too into the audience questions that came up after Hannah kind of talked about that, about, um, well, okay, so screen cards, well, what about how do you deal with uh, your partners? If you're partnering with the actors, if you're partnering with another producer or an investor, or you're partnering with somebody, uh, a producer who's just giving you money and not actually a line producer, not doing anything for you, how do you do that? And um, I just want to give a plug for Ryan's company, LegalZoom. They have a lot of inexpensive, accessible resources online. Um, you can probably get free releases, location releases, and you can go to LegalZoom and get LLC forms relatively inexpensively. It's not a hard thing to do. I'll tell you as a lawyer, we do them. We charge more than LegalZoom. It's true, <laughs> but it's not hard to do. So, so LegalZoom kind of owns the world with LLC formation. I get that. And there's no question it, it makes sense. Something I think that is important, though, if you are in a, a dispute or a not even a dispute, you're talking to your partners about, well, how much do you own and how much back end 
if we sell this movie, Little Miss Sunshine, for $10 million, which is what happened, $10.5 million, I think, how much of that are you getting as the producer, creative, the founder, the writer? How much is your lead actor getting? How much is your uh, investor getting who's giving you the money to make the production happen? H- how do you do that? And well, I'll ask Ryan from LegalZoom. Ryan, what would you do? Do you, do you think that is that a time that maybe they might need a lawyer on their own? Or yeah, I'm, I'm well, kind of leading you into this because we're drinking, we're sitting here drinking bullet bourbon with warm Pepsi product. Um, very tasty. cheers, by the way. Cheers. I'm going to choke, choke this down. Clink. Uh, we'll finish this glass. It, the podcast will get much funnier. Um, exactly. But yeah, so, so what are your thoughts? First of all, to, to back up a little bit, you know, what, what LegalZoom is all about is we want to support entrepreneurship and creativity. I mean, that's, that's really what it's all about. People that have their own ideas, they want to launch them. They might not know how. Um, we, first of all, want them to focus on launching that, you know, and, and filmmakers really fall right into that wheelhouse. Uh, you know, that's the ultimate in creativity. And, and that's why we come out to Sundance year after year. And I'm really proud that, you know, Tom has been involved with this panel, Thank you, you know, four years in a row. You uh, guys have been coming longer than that, though. You've been supporting, so LegalZoom's been supporting independent film for eight years? At, well, um, at Sundance, uh, we've been out here for about six years. I okay. think this is our sixth year. But, you know, it's really, um, we want to support creativity, like I said. You guys do South by Southwest? We, South we did by South by Southwest, Southwest yeah. before that. Um, yeah, so that. We've, yeah. we've been involved where there's a lot of creativity uh, taking place. Um, I like Sundance a lot because it's, you know, it, it's all about business out here. You know, people sure. are taking their ideas that they've turned into something great and it's a marketplace. You know, they're, they're trying to get distribution partners on and investment partners. So, um, it, it's really a great place to be. Um, but you know, by supporting that creativity, you only know what you know, you know, and, and if you know film and you know how to direct and, and how to write and, and how to get the right people involved in a project, that's great. We want you to focus on that. Well, we can hopefully help right. take care of some of that back office legal stuff. Um, so the colliery is you don't know what you don't know. Exactly. Probably the overused colliery to you know what you know is you don't know what you don't know. Exactly. But I've heard that more times than I can count in my life. And it's true. It is true. Um, and, and it's hard as a filmmaker because unless somebody shoves it down your throat, you're so deeply invested. We, I've seen it over and over again in the creative process that you don't know what you need to do to get things done. And, and I think the universe, every single panelist this year, every single panelist last year and the year before, the four years I've been doing it, without a doubt, and this isn't, I'm not saying call me, hire me. That's not, that's not what this pitch is. You need to get some legal advice, whether it's pro bono legal clinic advice, whether it's a lawyer you hire, you need to get somebody who has, has done work in this industry and who knows what they're doing. What I will say, so... Getting legal help by hiring your mom's divorce lawyer is, and I'm not putting down divorce lawyers because I don't know anything about it. I'm not going to do a divorce, but it's not the best idea. Do that if you need a divorce. Right. If you need a divorce, if you have a traffic ticket, you hire a traffic ticket lawyer. If you need to immigrate, you hire an immigration lawyer. But using your immigration lawyer to do your film production and negotiate a SAG contract or deal with location releases, you know. Not ideal. Probably not. Not ideal. Right. It's uh or, you know, a brain surgeon to do heart surgery. I think that would be probably worse. Probably. Well, I mean, yeah. direct. More severe consequences. Yeah. Well, for imagine. you individually, maybe in the grand scheme, using the wrong lawyer could have, you know, horrible consequences for the actors. True. Make getting the movie made. But yeah, I guess death is, is, is fairly final. Um, yeah. I don't know. I think a heart, could a heart surgeon actually do brain surgery and vice versa? 
Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, we're, we're not. Done. They could probably give it a shot. I don't know if I would want I, him to. Or bourbon. On me. While we're, sure. Yeah, okay. I wish we had ice. Ice would be nice. Honest to God. But while, while you're pouring, um, you know, you, you brought up a good point, though, you know, and sorry to get back to the legal Zoom plug a little bit, but, you know, we're, we're, we're a good place to start. You know, Tom mentioned LLCs. Um, you know, we, we can help with intellectual property, trademarks, copyrights, things like that. We also have a lot of uh, documents like talent release forms, um, screenwriter collaboration agreements, things like that, that are specific to films. But So you have film-specific stuff we do. on your website. And how, how does somebody find the film-specific stuff? You can go to LegalZoom.com. We've got a search bar up at the top. Makes you sense. You can type in what you're looking for. It's like Google legal stuff on your website. I think people are, are fairly familiar with, with searching. So I just it should be very brands easy. there, didn't I? I, shouldn't, I, I that's okay. twisted We've, you with Google there. You like that. We, yeah, yeah, that's fine. I, I think John sounds good with that. We'll, we'll give Google a little plug. I, I'm okay. sure everyone does. But, uh, but you know, you also brought up the point. It, it goes beyond that stuff. You know, each project is very specific. Right. Uh, oftentimes you need specific advice for the project you're working on. You're going to have questions that aren't just, you know, out of the box answers that, that anyone can provide advice for. And that's where you really need to turn to a professional, to an attorney that can give you the proper guidance for that. As the, an attorney. Um, so I, I throw this out there. This isn't a plug for me. Again, I don't need to be hired. Happy to talk to you. But I don't need to be hired to do film stuff, but I'm happy to. But I'll, I've worked on films. I worked on The Hurt Locker, Expendables 2. I worked on these films in a number of capacities from copyright to litigation. I've worked on much smaller projects. I even have an IMDb producer's credit for uh, working on script writing and other things on both sides of the, the aisle. In fact, I don't know if you know this, Ryan, I directed a public television show. Unbelievable. Yep. Pure, pure hell, actually. Um, <laughs> Because I was the director, not the producer, not the act. I wasn't in charge of anything. I was the director. Wait, Pure Hell wasn't the title. That was the no, experience. No, no, no. That was the experience. Okay. Could have, it actually might have been a good title. It was about Irish immigration to Jersey City in doesn't the sound early fun. 1900s. Yeah. Probably was Pure Hell. I mean, yeah. it's probably a better title, probably more grabbing. So that's a good, good approach to independent filmmaking. What I was getting to in a really roundabout, indirect way, probably in a part of this bullet bourbon and warm Pepsi thing we're doing, which doesn't make any sense. I feel like there's ice somewhere in Sundance TV's headquarters. I see some snow outside. I yeah, don't know if we can use that. It looks pretty dirty. Is If you have a partner in your film, you need an LLC. Go hit LegalZoom, get that done. But you need an operating agreement. And there are operating agreements. LegalZoom offers them. They give you a form with it. But if you don't have the terms laid out concretely in perfect form, and you don't really know what you're doing and you haven't done it before, you may want to talk to a lawyer about getting that operating agreement done. Who owns what? What happens if your partner dies? Uh, now you're in business with his wife or his kids, whoever inherited his interest in your or her interest in your LLC. Make sure that you, you talk to a lawyer about that. Thank you to our sponsor today, Dunlap, Bennett & Ludwig. Dunlap, Bennett & Ludwig solves complex business problems with smart solutions acting as advocates and advisors to their clients with diverse professional backgrounds from MBAs to PhDs to bankers to military officers, real-world experience for real-world problems. Dunlap, Bennett & Ludwig doing better law. To find out more, visit www.dblawyers.com. The other thing that came up yesterday in the panel was from the audience. And so somebody asked me, well, hey, uh, if I'm a scriptwriter and I sell my script to somebody, can I retain some of the IP rights? Can we split those rights up? If I'm making a movie, can I leave some of the rights? And I almost gagged and everybody on the panel backed me on this. It was fantastic. Uh, very experienced producers and 
and Andy, who is a producer as well. But uh, all of the IP has to be in one LLC and you have to know where it is and you have to own it. And so when we talk about that from the get-go, all of the music, all of the pictures, all of the location releases, all of the talent releases, every single word and image that appears in your movie, you have to have either a right to use from having somebody have signed and given you that right, or it has to fall under something called fair use. Uh, and there's a great resource for that. Stanford University has the, a fair use center online uh, that can help you kind of muddle through fair use issues. But you either have to have a writing giving you the right to it, or it has to fall within the fair use doctrine. Do not expand that fair use doctrine on your own. Uh, so a young gentleman yesterday stood up and said, I'm making a movie and it's about a true crime. And a lot of the facts are similar, but I changed the name and the place. Is that fair use? And I told him point blank, I don't know, because it's very fact specific. So I would need to sit down with him, know what the crime was, know exactly what he did and how he changed it. And we could figure out if it falls within the bounds of fair use. Maybe. Uh, and maybe it's not even a fair use issue. So if your use is transformative, which is another lawyer thing, and you do not have to know what it is, you just have to know it exists. If you transform the content enough, then it's not a copyright issue. And that issue really wasn't even copyright. So it's another example. That was an invasion of privacy or a life rights issue. And um, so you can't make a story necessarily uh, about somebody else's life unless they're, quote, famous without their permission. And, and Tom, when's the best time to start tackling these issues, right? After you've shot the film, probably, and you're getting ready to sell it at Sundance? No, probably is, is not. That, oh, probably not. Oh. So, so it, and this was last year's panel. Really good point. Uh, Sam on the panel last year had made a really successful film. He sold it at Sundance. You have a book, and that book is your clearance book. And nobody will buy your film unless they have that clearance book from you. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you a story about, so every film ever made at the major studios like Warner and so your wife your wife's studio, um, where every, she doesn't own it. She doesn't own it. She, she, she should, she should. I feel like she does in a way, right? She, she seems in, like she in should. our minds. Yeah. Bianca's lovely by the way, but every single film ever made, if whether it's Thor Ragnarok or, uh, the farewell at Sundance film festival has a clearance book and those clearance books are the only way to get the film sold. And those clearance books aren't always right either. So I wanted to share kind of a funny story since we're on our film episode for if, if it's, when, to the extent this is in our Black Letter podcast, and we don't cut this out. Holy crap. Thank you. Ice just magically That's appeared. That's fantastic. Yeah, so Sundance Studios provided ice, and now we have warm Pepsi and warm bourbon, but cold ice. It's about to be cold. Yeah. So my story was, there's this movie, Twas the Night Before, and there was a part, and I, I won't go into hyper details, but there was a sweater in that movie that somebody that we represented owned and we almost stopped the movie from being released because their clearance book wasn't in order because that sweater wasn't cleared. The production studio didn't clear it and the studio that was releasing it, one of the two that I named that are two of the few big ones, pointed their finger and said, oh, production studio, get them to pay you. And they ended up doing that. But that's just an example of even then, even if you have a clearance book, it's not always perfect. But so clearance is important. Having your operating agreement is important. Having your releases is important. Having the ownership of your script and material is important, and copywriting your film at the end of the day is important. That's right. So a lot of details. Yeah, Sounds like you've got to be very detail oriented. That's one tenth of one tenth. So the easiest thing to do: there are books out there that have checklists of all these things. Get the books, look at the checklists, and then talk to a lawyer yeah. and get the lawyer to do that stuff. Because you do what you do well. You do your voodoo that you do so well. Uh, make the movie. Be creative. Be a director. Be a producer, and then get a lawyer to do the law stuff. Don't let the lawyer be the producer 
and do creative. That would be horrible. Sounds like a horrible movie. Yeah. Well, it might be a great horror movie, but you should do what you do and you should find partners to do the other things. LegalZoom, uh, if you need to get the LLC formed, but uh, a good lawyer to back you up. Ryan, any other, any other thoughts for the cause, the good of the cause or the... I'm just happy to be out here. I mean, I, I already said that Sundance is such a great festival. I really love seeing the audience participation in the panels that we've yeah. been doing. You know, there's, there's a lot of bright, creative people that you know, are here to learn. I owe a plug for somebody who just, I didn't know anything really about uh, tangentially mm -hmm. or, or sur at a surface level from network news. Amanda Knox is here at Sundance and played some pool and then hung out with her yesterday. And she has a podcast on Sundance Channel about, it's the, the truth about true crime. And so Amanda Knox was imprisoned in Italy. She was accused of a crime she didn't commit. And she was imprisoned in Italy for four years. And the Italian judicial system wreaked havoc. They interrogated her. She went into detail yesterday uh, when we were, we were drinking. Um, but 53 hours, no lawyer, never accused her of being a suspect, got some coerced confessions, she was eventually freed, exonerated, and I think last week, The Hague sanctioned Italy or came out with some statement that, you know, Italy was wrong um, in everything they did. Uh, so vindicated. But she has a new podcast where she goes and follows up on Sundance TV shows, and she does a podcast uh, where she interviews the people involved. So I think her, the one she just did is about uh, Jim Jones, and she got to interview Jim Jones Jr. And super fascinating. Just want to put a plug in for her podcast. Uh, while we're here, since she's somebody we've met here, one of those incredibly creative people who I knew nothing about, completely surprised and impressed by her. So that's right. Do you think her podcast is as entertaining as this one we're doing? Oh, or oh, God, you know, no, no, this is way, way. More. She's probably not drinking. Yeah, right. True. Yeah. Well, yeah. this is a high bar to set. Yeah. So, so maybe someday. Well, I, I'm going to see if I can bring some bourbon to her podcast for her and see if we can make it entertaining that but might I help with feel us like, but i also feel like her subject matter is a little more serious because mm -hmm. it's about people who murdered people and stuff like that you're so, probably right yeah so probably probably inappropriate what we're suggesting maybe and this will probably get cut but yeah so i i love being here at sundance and the people we've met here are fantastic some of them are funny uh fun to watch who was sitting next to us last night the guy with the tattoos uh, guy with the tattoos. He's a singer. Aaron Carter. Yeah. yeah. And he's the brother of somebody that I've heard of. Nick Carter. Yeah. I don't even really know exactly who that is. I, my, my wife was going a little more crazy than I was, but yeah. Yeah. Cause well, she's like, knows this stuff. She does. My wife knows this stuff too. He was interesting. We just lowered the creative and ingeniousness bar here, but uh, interesting person. I think we're saying. safe. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, a lot of interesting people here, and um, we're really thankful for AMC Networks and Sundance TV for having us, and I am Thank you. so, so proud to work with LegalZoom and to have them sponsor independent film and put so much money into it for so many years. Yeah, um, so um, definitely, and uh, we're proud to have a partner like Tom Dunlap. We're scratching each other. This is the bourbon talking. Right? <laughs> it I, is, it is. Yeah. Our wives aren't here. It's just... It's weird. It's somebody, weird. somebody needs to break this up a little Turning bit. Turning into but... a weird independent film where you stare off into the distance, yeah. a lot, and drink alcohol. And, and, and one, one quick plug for for Tom. You know, um, I mentioned a lot of things that LegalZoom can help you with. You know, LLCs, uh, intellectual property, trademarks, copyrights. But we also have a network of attorneys, which Tom is part of. Um, they're independent attorneys, uh, but they're some of the the best people in America, available in, in yeah. all fifty states. Um, 
we can you can access attorneys similar to Tom. Probably through not our directly, legal plan. exactly me through the plan, but I, attorneys at my firm. And if you are doing entertainment stuff, they will come to me and say, "Can you come help me with this entertainment thing?" And I will help them, and I will work with you as your attorney with the associate who's on the, the plan. Absolutely, I do that all the time. We probably have literally probably a hundred filmmakers who came through LegalZoom to our firm to get help with some aspect of a release, an LLC, a location shooting issue, or a you know, Screen Actors Guild issue, something. So, and definitely copyright um, and trademark. Exactly. So we, yeah, so fantastic, fantastic partner. Exactly. Yeah, you know, filmmaking is is kind of niche. I mean, there's a lot of people doing it, but you might not be able to access Tom directly, but he is within reach. And there are a lot of people like him that specialize in, in yeah. niche I, subjects I am within like reach. that. So I am. Tom is within reach. That's so. what she said. <laughs> oh, it had to come up sometime. It did, it yeah. did. But uh, yeah, so thank you, Tom. Yeah, well, thank you, Ryan. I think with that, um, we're we're probably into our cups here, and we've got like a good bit more to finish, and we're getting a little bit silly. But I think this is a great uh, podcast for both LegalZoom and then Black Letter, my podcast about uh, for in-house counsel, CEOs, and business owners on arcane legal subjects. Check it out at blackletterstudios.com, and check out LegalZoom at LegalZoom.com. You all know where that is. Easy to find. Yep. And my law firm, dbllawyers.com. Thanks very much. And I will see you next time of Black Letter. Come out to Sundance next year. We'll see you here. That's all for today's episode of Black Letter. Thanks again for listening. Join us next time when we talk about more Black Letter issues in creative ways. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and Google Play so you never miss an episode. And to catch us on video, check out our website at blackletterstudios.com. 